All right, let's make sure I'm recording. You know, it's not good when you like go through podcasts and you notice that you're like halfway through and you haven't recorded anything. (laughs) Has that happened? Has that happened to you? I'm Deisha Filia, and I'm the author of The Secret Lives of Church Ladies, a collection of nine stories about Black women, sex, and the Black church. My name is Jerry Kraft. I'm the author and the illustrator of the graphic novels New Kid and Class Act. My name is Anne Winter, and I am an author of children's books. I live in Austin, Texas. Hi everyone, um, thank you Gary so much for having me on. This is a huge pleasure. My name is Andre Fenton. I'm a young adult author and poet, spoken word artist from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Hi Gary, thank you so much. Um, I am Andrea Wang. I write books for kids and most recently uh, my picture book, Watercress, and my debut middle grade novel, The Many. It's personal. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of It's Personal. I'm so excited for my guest today. I'm so excited. Um, can you introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Jyoti Rajan Gopal, and I am an Indian American author and teacher and mom. You have so many hats. And before we get into it, just in case we don't talk about it, she's also my teacher, which is great. I'm going to call you that because <laughs> I went through a course with her and I'm just going to put a little plug in for, for her and the course that she taught. I don't know the exact title, but um, it was basically around writing picture books and I just enjoyed my time so much with you um and I could tell that you are a educator based on how everything was laid out throughout the course um the brain breaks which I loved and even oh, though my good. camera was off I was still doing them <laughs> were you really oh, I couldn't I, tell yes. Well, thank you for saying that because I'm so used to having, being a kindergarten teacher, I am very used to having a room full of young children and like teaching and knowing the flow of like when I need to pause and when I need to stop. And this was the first picture book class that I was teaching through the writing barn. It was picture book one um, and it was teaching adults. And I was a little nervous, actually a little mm. more than just a little nervous because, you know, teaching adults is very different from teaching kids. Um, of course. But it was so much fun. And all of you students were so amazing and so gracious. And I'm so glad you love the brain breaks because I'm like, I don't know how adults are going to react. It was to awesome. Thing. It was awesome. I oh, think good. it gave, it also allowed like, you know, like writing can be, like you said, it can be intimidating, especially when you're amongst your peers, like people your age who are experienced, et cetera. Um, and, and let's be real, like, like you said, like adults can be like really harsh and cruel sometimes and you just don't know, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? But I think something about your course and just like your spirit in general allowed this like sense of calm and sense of just like togetherness that you built and like you didn't have a lot of time to build community, so to speak, but you somehow did that within the time frame that you had just through the way you were teaching. So I, again, I will plug that thing forever because I enjoyed the course so much. I learned so much from you and just like how you structure stories, how you share stories, like everything. It was just so jam packed with so much information. 
So kudos to you, honestly. Wow. It was awesome. That, that, was means, awesome. that means so much to me. And I'm the fact that you also said that we built community, that is really the goal of every, like every mm-hmm. time I'm in a group of people teaching something, especially with kids, but um, it makes my heart so full to hear you say that I did that with the adult online class, because that is, that is my goal. Oh, thank you, Gary. You just made no, you my did. year. Oh, you did. And I, I can't make it up. Honestly, <laughs> that's exactly how I felt. Um, and I found it so powerful because again, with the amount of time that you had, like you can't go through norms and just like protocols and all that stuff with the amount of time that you have, but somehow through, I think the way you were teaching, the way you were giving us opportunities to speak, et cetera, um, you did it. So again, anyone out there who is thinking about writing picture books, wants to write picture books, you don't have to be a published author, all the things, Writing Barn, please check it out. It's it's <laughs> an amazing program with amazing authors that share amazing information. But let's talk a little bit about you. Um, we I know a little bit about you just based on having conversations with you, um, following you online, um just tell me a little bit about you like you have you've been you've lived in tons of places um tell me a little bit about family um in the, your early life, like what did that look like for you? Sure. Um, yeah, I actually grew up neither in America nor in India, even though I'm an Indian American. Um, I was born in India, but my parents moved to Bangkok when I was a year old. My dad was with the UN. So I grew up mainly in Bangkok and Jakarta and I went to international schools, Gary. So like you're a teacher at, the, at an international school. So you, you and I, sir, I know very, very well the kind of like atmosphere that you are teaching mm-hmm. in because I was a student in those schools and um, I loved it. I, I went to JIS and to the Robert Each National School in Bangkok. Wow. Yeah. In fact, we are having our JIS reunion. There's a class of 85 oh reunion that we're planning in that Italy awesome. next year. <laughs> which I'm super awesome. And I still have friends from both of those schools um, now, like I'm still in touch with them. So, so yeah, I grew up, my first language was Thai and English. And then of course my mom, Tamil was another part of like my family life because I'm Tamilian. And, uh, and then we moved to Indonesia. I had to learn to speak Bahasa Indonesia. And um, then I also lived in Myanmar for a while. My parents moved there. And then I moved to China to teach as a kindergarten teacher. And then I went back to India for college. I'm not going in like chronological order, but I was in India. I finally went back to India to live because I hadn't lived there growing up. And even though my family visited India, you know, every other summer to touch base and hang out with grandparents and relatives and all of that, I still felt pretty um, disconnected from like who I was. So I did go back for college and that was amazing. I was in Delhi and Bombay for my master's and my bachelor's. And then I worked for a year and a half in a village in Haryana teaching. Um, and then I finally moved to New York about 28 years ago because my husband, who I met in India, he also did not grow up in India, by the way. So he also is a child of like a parents in the diplomatic service and they lived all over the world. So we somehow connected in this magical moment wow. when he was there in Delhi for six months and met. And then he was based in New York and he was like, no long term, no long distance relationships for me. And let's, let's get hitched. And wow. we got married and I moved to New York and my friends were so puzzled by the fact that I was moving to New York because I had visited before. My brother was studying in Massachusetts and I had visited him and I had visited New York and I hated it. What is this horrible place? Like, where are you from? <laughs> and I was like,
seven. Okay. Say. Yeah. And around what time, time of the year was it? Was it, it was like winter. It was winter. It was <laughs> yeah. So I, you're absolutely right. Like we were standing, shivering, you know, like going to the stat, getting on the ferry to get to the um, the Statue of Liberty or whatever. And then I, I was like, what is this place? It's terrible. Um, and so when they found out I was moving here, they were just like blown away. But I have grown to love this place immensely, and now I'm an American citizen, which is insane and happy. And my wow. daughters, are, of course, are Indian American. Like they were born and brought up. They're New Yorkers. Um, but just like my parents, I really tried to, um, my parents really steeped us in Indian culture at home. And mm. so I was very like, so I tried to do that with my girls as well, because I know how hard it is when you are sort of managing, you know, your own identity, your culture, which is, can be a mind, which is a minority culture, whether mm. you're in, you know, whether I was in Bangkok or Indonesia or here with like the larger culture of like where, wherever that is that you are. So there's always that straddling, um, Wow. And I said that's hard. So, so many, it's gift, but it's also a challenge, right? Totally. And you sound just like you said, like, like you said, you know what it feels like to be in that international setting. You sound exactly like the kids that I have been teaching. Like they travel and attend so many different schools. And that's why I strongly believe similar to you that like that conversation around identity and how you were built and the things that you because my first thought was exactly what you were thinking about is like how does one's family continue to not necessarily mold but continue those traditions those beliefs those values when you are literally living in a different place literally experiencing different cultures like how did your family do that for you um, and do you have siblings? Sorry, I don't remember if, if I asked you that. Do you have siblings? I do. I have a younger brother. Um, okay. And so, yeah. And so we are very close. We, he's, he actually lives in Atlanta now. And mm -hmm. he, moved to the, he moved to the United States as a young college student. And then he just never left. Like he just ended up <laughs> living here. <laughs> this, wow. you know, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's very connected to, to this country and is an American citizen as well. Um, wow. I think I like, I give, props to my parents you know they were these this young couple that were coming from India my mom and dad had never traveled abroad before they really did pull themselves up by the bootstraps my dad grew up in this little village in South India he's you know, one of like 10 kids his mom struggled wow. to feed the family like he would tell us stories of having to go to the local temple where the king of Travancore at the time would provide food for Wow. the poor and his mom would like send the kids there so that he could eat um meals and my mom is one of you know seven and she also grew up with a, a dad who was you know in the Indian government service but was struggled to like really keep their family together and yet they did they managed to provide for and then my parents met and they managed to like provide for us and they struggled I mean I just I am so thankful for all that they have done for us and I know it was hard mm -hmm. for them but um they really tried they really tried their best to make sure that we had best so that we could move forward in our lives so I'm really thankful for that uh -huh. and to your point about how they um managed to like ground us in our culture I think our home life was very much a South Indian home life like we 
grew up speaking the languages, both Hindi and Tamil. My mom actually would force us to have lessons in Hindi every Sunday. She, would, she, she got all the picture books from India, like stories, lessons, and we would grumble and groan. But after I grew older, I told her, I said, thank you so much, mom, for doing that because I was able I to write Hindi and speak. And then we would watch the Bollywood movies and the Tamil movies and the Malayalam movies. And that's how my brother and I stayed connected with our language. And we were connected to the Indian expatriate community. So, you know, I really thank them for keeping us rooted in that. And that's, I tried to like do some of that here. It's harder in America, I will say. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see I that, that being harder. And I, 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 I always tell the parents within my classrooms that because in, you know, like as being in an international school, like you, even in elementary, for the most part, I guess the only, this is the first school that I've been to where elementary kids didn't have to take um, like the, the native tongue of the, lang- the, the language within the school, but all the mm-hmm. other schools, like you have to take a language class, right? Yep. Um, so yep. you almost, almost everyone, not, every, not, not everyone, but like for the most part, people are not taking their native tongue. Right. So I always tell parents that it is so important. Like if, if there's a kid in my class that looks like this other kid, like, yes, yeah, speak it. Like, yes. Like if it's Japanese, if it's like anything, like, please have that conversation with that kid, because like, it is so important, um, let alone like just culture wise, but like you also like you as a university student, as you get older, like having different languages under your belt is just also just something that's just going to be very valuable. Like, throughout life. So I think that's a really good point as well. Um, and I'm glad that your your mom was, that's what she did. She felt was important. And it's hard as a kid because there's so many other things that you want to do, <laughs> right? And I'm sure it's hard for her too, to have to listen to us like moan and groan. And she stuck to her guns. And I'm just like, thank you, mom. Of you course. know? Of yeah. course. Of yeah. course. I love that. I love that. So I think it's kind of a a little bit of a segue into why you do what you do. And I already know this answer based on the conversations that we've had through the workshop. Um, but I guess, I guess I can change this question a little bit, even though I feel like I know some of the answer. Um, where is your biggest influence come from in regards to the work that you do for literature? Uh, well, I think, so I think it, the biggest I think it comes from just the sense as I was becoming both a mom and a teacher and interacting with young children in those ways and realizing how important it was for them to see themselves mm. in books because I did not have that growing up. And then when I became a teacher and I'm, and I didn't realize that it was that that was something that I was missing in my life because you don't know what you're missing when you don't, you know, like when you don't know, like I had all these amazing books that I grew up with and I love them. You know, I had, I had my books from India, my Amar Chitrakatas and my Tinkle comics and my RK Narayanans that were written by, you know, it was written by Indian authors and illustrators and those were fabulous. But then I also had my little house in the prairies and my secret gardens and my, you know, the Alexander Lloyds, which were very white centric. I love them, but I had no, I didn't realize that I was missing characters like myself in these books. And I didn't realize that till I grew up and became a mom and became a teacher and had students that were coming from all these different backgrounds and 
realizing that when I was looking for books about them that I, and I couldn't find them. And I'm like, oh, this is like really important stuff. And then I was like learning about myself and my place in American society and who I am. Like it has been such a journey for me. And I slowly came to the realization. It took me a while and it slowly came to the realization that um, I needed to be a part of like that process of creating books that are going to fill those missing spaces on bookshelves. Wow. And I originally started off in the nonfiction space, um, Gary, like I had no notion of writing fiction at all, even mm. though my mom reminded me the other day that I did write fiction actually in college. I wrote like these cute little stories and I thought, you know, I tried to get them published. Nobody wanted to buy them. <laughs> I thought they were pretty good. <laughs> and I did that for a while and I totally forgotten that I'd done that. Um, but I didn't really consider myself a writer. And so like um, when I started writing for children, I really started writing in the nonfiction space because I was thinking about missing stories that hadn't been told about unsung heroes, female voices that needed mm. to be told. And so that, that's kind of where I started. And then somehow American Daisy, which is my first picture book coming out, came out of my heart and onto the paper. Um, the, and the, the cover, the title, it just looks amazing. Um, I'm so excited for you. And I'm so glad that we have crossed paths. Um, I think for so many reasons, like you not only have taught me so much, but like you also inspired me as well, like in regards to digging deeper into like my craft and writing stories and meaningful stories, et cetera. Because again, like I remember taking notes based on some of the things that you were just talking about your experience as well and why you write. Like I remember taking those notes and saying like, wow, like those are things I need to remember as well. Mm -hmm. So not only were you like teaching me about like the actual structure <laughs> of how to do a story, but like you were also like really, you know, like these are things to look at when you're actually trying to write from your heart because it's very easy to forget about those things. Right. Mm. Um, and yeah. a lot of my experience was very similar to yours. Like I didn't start looking and seeing books that looked like me until I was like in my 20s. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's like books that like sound like me. Like that's wild. Like I didn't <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but I 100 percent agree with you. And I love that answer so much because your books are going to truly influence the world. They really, really are. that going for you because it's it's coming it's it's very very soon yes this is the launch <laughs> month i mean it is coming out june 21st and i can't believe it's june and so i feel like i finally have we have the bookstore where we're going to do an in-person launch fingers crossed covid keeps low in new york city and that we can do it so it's an in-person at books of wonder i'm you know awesome. gonna advertise that obviously on social media and all i'm super excited about that I have a publicist at LBYR, my publisher, who's like doing, you know, like doing all the background. I don't know what she's doing. I'm sure she's doing fabulous things. Like she's reaching out to all these different people and bookstores and um, 
you know, uh, getting on podcasts and writing articles. So there's all of that stuff. And then on my end as an author, because, you know, we are told that, you know, as authors, we also have to get the word out. It's kind of something that we should do. And, you know, I'm not great. We're not, none of us are great at sort of like tooting our own horn. And so that's kind of hard, but I'm reaching out to like libraries and independent bookstores. And just sort of like, I made this postcard on Canva just to like, Hey, these are my books coming out. And, you know, here's how you can get them. And if you want me to come and sign some books, I'm happy to do so. And um, I've had people reach out to me on Insta, which has been amazing to be like, Hey, we saw that you posted about your book and we would love for you to come visit our school. And that's been really amazing. So like, I love it when, when things happen like that, like very organically. Um, and so just sort of like making connections and reaching out to people and offering and and having them like respond to you. That's been really amazing. I I really love that part of it it, and trying to keep it, um, you know, trying not to go crazy and just being like, just do what you have, what you have fun with and then let everything Mm -hmm. else go by the wayside. I mean, my dream really is just if a book, if a child connects with my book and sort of sees themselves in it, that that's a win-win for me. I'm just like, that's it. Agree. And they right. will. Hundred percent they will. Yes, and it's happened. They will. It's happened already. And so I'm like, all right, you're already ahead, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Like I it's so funny because my um I showed my wife your just the title of your book and she's not American. Um, but she's Indian and she was right away. She was like, we need more books like this. She was like, I don't see enough books like this as well. So I was like, you're not only going to reach those in, I think. North America I think this is it will I think it's going to be one of those books that have such a great like longevity because we don't see a lot of books like that and they're not I don't I don't see a lot of books like that I don't hear a lot of about authors like you I think it's going to be very very powerful I really do I really do and you're such an awesome person as well so like when you get in schools you're a teacher so I, I love teachers that write because when you get in the classroom it's also going to be or you get in schools like you just know what to do when you see these like little munchkins looking at you like so excited right you're gonna have your brain breaks you're gonna have your like get up and it's gonna be so awesome (laughs) I love those munchkins I was telling you about this this teacher who reached out to me uh to to come into her uh, classrooms and I did that last week actually in Manhattan I visited second graders and first graders and Gary oh my gosh I hadn't been because I stopped teaching last year I'm taking a break and it was just so wonderful to be back in a classroom with all those little faces and just to read to them because I think story time is such a magical time during the school day right like don't you find that when you're sitting with kids and they're just listening to you and then the conversations that you have they're just beautiful I wish I wish we had more time for that I feel like sometimes on a school day that gets really crunched down with all the other things that you have to do but I tell I I try to tell everyone who's teaching I'm like make that time really sacrosanct when you Mm -hmm. can just sit and read and talk about stories together. I agree. I agree. And you you don't have to, you don't have to jot about everything. Like you don't have to, to reflect and think about the settings and the connections and the, like you don't have to do that all the time. Like sometimes it's just nice to sit and listen, right? Have a very, you know, like organic conversation or no conversation at all. Or none. Sometimes the, the best times are when the kids sort of like, after you've read the story, they just pause for a minute and you're like, oh no. And then they start clapping on their own. And then you're like, they love that story so much. And, you know, and I'm not talking about my book. I'm talking about like any book that I may have picked up that I thought might be a great story. And then they just sort of respond to it in that way. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I know. 
that was mad. I know. It's amazing. It is. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, I'm excited for you because again, I know that as the book comes out and you get into, get into classrooms, like it's, they're going to get the full package. Like, honestly, like they're going to get the great writing, but then they're also going to get an educator that knows what it's like to be in the classroom knows how to help kids like move along in regards to their writing and their reading journey so it's just going to be amazing um to watch oh, you shine you. i'm you so excited that. i'm so excited can i ask you so a question I, of course you can of course you can <laughs> so um <laughs> because you mentioned that your wife had um you know with talking about how more books like american desi were needed you know everywhere but is the term desi used in canada as well do you know i, I know in the diaspora but I wasn't sure I don't know in general I don't know mm -hmm. um but I know that I have heard it within her family okay um so I don't know if it's something it's a question let me maybe I'll ask her and just see what she says yeah. um I'm, I have a feeling she's going to say that she does use it within like the family but she doesn't know like in a wider sense if it is but I'm not sure actually it's a good mm -hmm. question it's a good question. It's a um, it's an umbrella term that a lot of I think South Asian the diaspora does use, um, mm -hmm. and not everyone necessarily identifies that way. I love the term because it, it to me it feels really inclusive of a, of lots of countries that have that are culturally like have intertwines and interconnected threads, and mm -hmm. uh, so I love that term. But uh, you know, I just want to acknowledge that not not everyone uses that term Daisy to apply to themselves. But I certainly yeah. am an American Daisy. My girls identify as American Daisy. And this mm -hmm. book is sort of like, you know, about me, my younger self and them. So yeah. What are your what are your daughters thinking and feeling about you publishing a book? They have been so supportive. And because they were already young women when I started writing, they were actually my first editors, Gary. Wow. And both of them are excellent writers. Both of them write and um I sent I send them all my first manuscripts to be like, wow. hey, and That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, when I sent them um just the manuscript for this one, like which started off very short, they they had some really good remarks to say, like, they're very supportive. They're like, this is great mom, but here's where I'm having troubles with, I'm, I'm having trouble with this phrasing that maybe you want to rethink how you want to say this. And they were actually the ones when I first wrote this manuscript, they, I had written some of my, the words that were either Tamil or Hindi in the manuscript. I had italicized them. And, um, they were the ones who like looked at me and be like, why are you italicizing? Like put them back put them back in regular. And I'm like, oh, they're like, no, we're not going to other that you're going to put it in regular. And so I learned, have been learning from them for years um, wow. about stuff like but that. But that that's such a testament to, I go back probably as far as your mom and dad and family, like them and you, like ingraining those things into them, like yeah, of course, like you're just writing, like you're just, you're getting, trying to get your thoughts up, but they have been taught these things, I think, through experiences with you and your family. So I think that is, that is amazing that they're able to, to do that. And you have that connection with them. That is amazing. That, that was really cool to me because I had always, when I read books, you know, that with languages that were not English, 
I had seen that they were always italicized. And so I just mm-hmm. was like, okay, I'm going to italicize this. And of course they've been learning along, you know, apart from me, I, I, I want to take credit for all of, but I can't because they are individuals and they learn your school was amazing. And they, and they like are learning about who they are as Indian Americans. They've done a lot of searching uh-huh. too on their own. Like, I feel like what I've done on my path, they've also been doing independently from me because my growing up being in international schools, I don't completely, I do not, I did not have the same experience as them growing up Indian American, right? Which is very different because I was sort of like, what very different. Culture mm-hmm. kid. Like, it's so different. Very and different. so I had to learn from them wow. things that I did not know about growing up, uh, you know, separate from the culture that I belong to, like their experience is very different. So I've learned from them as well. So that was one of the things that I was learning from wow. them. Right? Wow. I'm very grateful to them for like teaching me as well. They're, they're That's amazing. Yeah. They sound amazing. And I think just cool. listening to you, like give them all of the credit for these the amazing things that they do for you. It's just like, you, I could just hear the, the relationship within there and it sounds phenomenal. Can I ask how old or how old are they? Absolutely. Uh, my older one, Vedika, is 25 and 25. she lives in New York. She's in Brooklyn. And my younger one, Kirti, is 23 and she's wow. in Taipei on a Fulbright right now working on climate activism and storytelling. Okay, so I do, I, you know, like we could obviously talk forever, but I'm not going to keep you because I know that you probably have things to do this morning. Um, my last question for you is, and I always like to ask this just because I think it is important. Uh, what are some of the things that you like to do outside of, what do you do, what do, you do for joy? And you can mm. say reading if you want to, because I know you like I, reading. <laughs> I love reading. I have been devouring books since my mom told me I started learning to read at three, apparently. So, mm. um, wow. so I have been reading nonstop since I was a little girl. I love to read all kinds all kinds of books. I love reading. So reading is definitely my happy place. Um, in fact, the last few days, the weather has been really great in New York City. And I've been putting a blanket out of my backyard with a pillow and my coffee, oh. and just going out there with my book and just enjoying the blue skies and the healing space of like, I'm very lucky to have that wow. and the trees. So I love to do that. But I also love um, hiking and kayaking um we're big outdoors outdoors people my family and so anytime i can get on my husband and i can get on like a new york trail we try to do that um we recently went to utah which is gorgeous um we went to Canyonlands and um oh my god i'm totally blanking oh arches national park and did some amazing trails there um and we we kayaked um on the well we rafted not kayaked we we rafted on the colorado river which was amazing um um, oh. class, class three, class four rapids. We were not steering the raft. Uh, that we would not have been able to do. There was an expert man who was doing all of that. He was wonderful, but we were <laughs> we were in there and like uh, we we do more like class two uh, rapids on our own, like class three maybe. That's but still not easy though. Never, never. That's no, but it was easy. Amazing. Yeah, I love. We love to do stuff like that. So, That's and then so music. Fun. 
Yeah, I love music too. Um, mainly I love, I love Bollywood and Carnatic classical. And then I love the fusion of Western and Eastern music together. So that's, mm, wow. that's a lot of fun to listen and dance to. That is awesome. And then lastly, and you mentioned it before, but I would love for you to mention it again. So you, when's your book coming out? What's the title? Where can we find it? And then where can we find you online? Cause you're actually like pretty active online, which I love also. Oh, I'm glad you think so, because I feel like I should be doing more. No, that's great. Um, thank you no, for great. saying that. Um, great. Yes. So American Daisy comes out June 21st. Um, it is already available for pre-order. And actually, if you go to my website, jyotirajangopal.com, there's a pre-order tab and the links will take you to a number of retailers of your choice. Like, of course, bookshop org the indie space for sure books of wonder in new york city will have it as well as well as a number of other independent bookstores um and let's see and then my Pati's saris which is my second picture book um published by kokila is coming out november 8th and that is also available for pre-order um so those are the two this year and then i have um oh my gosh i have four more coming out over the next few years i have desert queen by levine querido which is in the spring of 2023 i have one sweet song um by candlewick in the fall of 2023 i have sister day by fsg um winter of 2024 and love is here with you also with Candlewick. I think that's the fall of 2024 as well. And then I have another one that hasn't been announced yet. So I can't say anything about it, but that I'm hoping that that'll be announced soon. And that is why you are not in the classroom right now. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why you deserve a break. You deserve a break as long as you want to. (laughs) I miss the classroom. You know what it's like, Gary, when you're working with young children they fuel you they give you energy they keep you young um and i know you're i can just tell just by talking with you and how you talk about your students that you're an amazing teacher um oh thank you you're lucky to have you but in as you know as being an author and being a writer you're gonna have that opportunity to spend time with kids um and it's gonna be so fun and amazing for you to be fulfilled through that and just kind of go back into a place where you're so comfortable um, and they're going to learn so much from you. Um, I'm so excited for you. And again, beyond the, the the workshop, it's such a inspiring story just to see that you are true. Like all of your books have so much meaning. Like I'm looking, I look, I remember you showing us the list and every title, everything was so intentional in regards to like what you wanted to give to the world. And I just, I admire that so much. And it's a great reminder for me, who is a very new, new writer and kind of going through this journey, like beginning journey. And I love that. So thank you. Thank you for the reminders as well. Of course. And watch out world for Gary, because he's got some writing chops. I know because <laughs> I've seen the manuscripts and um, look at world. You've got some beautiful stories oh, coming up. I can't wait to see the world. I can't wait to see This was so fun. This was so, so fun.